Praise the Lord. Welcome to the Lively Stone Temple Experience. Come on, clap your hands. Welcome to the Lively Stone Temple Experience. We are one church in four locations. Please visit LivelyStoneTemple.org for more information. This message was recorded on June the 26th, 2022. The Word of God is being brought forth by Elder Joseph Lee Taylor, Jr. Now let's follow along in our Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 through 10. If you, if you have 2 Corinthians chapter 12, please say amen. I'm going to give everybody a minute. I want us all to stand as we read. Amen. Now, Sister Evans, if, if my memory serves me correctly, your, 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 your grandbaby plays the piano a little bit, doesn't she? All right, now. You're going to get grandbaby to play a song one day. Amen. 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 She can, hey, look, some of the greatest musicians in the world that you know of, these young folk listen to this music sometimes, that they, and there are all these musicians and bands that they admire, they have no idea that all those musicians started out in the church just like this. Amen. One of my favorite drummers of all time, Tony Royster Jr., started out in church. Calvin Rogers started out in church. All these great musicians, it started out well in the church. Amen. So 2 Corinthians 12, verse 1 through 10, it says, And it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. But he said, it, it makes no sense for me to, 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 to glory about this, but let's, let's start here with visions. If I have to, let's start with visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. I want to read verse Eight and through ten again. For this thing I besought the Lord that it might depart from me. He wanted the thorn out. He asked God how many times? Three times to remove it. And he said unto me, God said, Jesus said unto me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness, in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. This morning, with the help of the Lord, I want to talk to us this, today about sufficient grace. Somebody say sufficient grace. And I, I, I want to pull a thought from verses 8 through 10. And I want you all to just, 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 just like encourage yourself. Like put your hand on yourself like you've got to pray for yourself and just say, I'm good now. I'm good now. I'm good now. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you, dear Lord, for all the help that you've provided unto us, your people. 
God, I thank you, dear Lord, for being the only true and living God. I thank you for being my master, for being my savior, for being my father, for being my Abba, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, Lord God, I realize that I am nothing without you. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I stand before you this morning in the spirit of humility, begging you and humbly, dear Lord God, coming toward the throne of grace so that I might attain, uh, find grace to help in the time of need. Father, I ask you, dear Lord God, to bless everyone who's hearing the word of God on this morning, God. God, bless the saints to pray for me as I minister, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that they may intercede for the success of this service, God. God, we, we, we need you on this morning, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God, the adversary will get no victory. The adversary, Satan, will get no glory. He will get no win. He, will, he, he shall be defeated. And he shall be reminded that he is defeated on this morning, Lord. Lord, I'm asking you, dear Lord God, to continue to anoint this ministry even the more. Anoint the singers, anoint the musicians, anoint the young people, anoint the saints that come in this place day in and day out, God, and grant them a special grant of favor on this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that you let me down in your word in this morning, Lord. And I ask that I might decrease so that you might increase even all the more. This we ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to talk to you all this morning about God's sufficient grace. And I want to do it through the thought that I gave you all. Y'all, can y'all help me with my topic again this morning? Say, 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 I'm good now. I've got this. I, I, I'm, I'm good now. You know, I, you, 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 you ever found yourself in a situation where you thought there was no light at the end of the tunnel? And then all of a sudden you begin to see some light. You say, you know what? I'm, I, I'm good now. I'm, I'm good now. I know what I, I called you last week, panicking. Thought, child, they're going to turn my lights off. Child, I'm about to lose my job. Child, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait a minute. I'm good now. I, I, I'm good now. Throughout the years, there has been much said about the grace of God. Typically, when we hear about it, the first definition that comes to mind is that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Has anyone ever heard that before? His grace is typically defined and characterized as the, somebody say, unmerited favor of God. Ultimately, I, I, find, I find no fault in this definition, for grace is unmerited in the sense that you cannot earn it. It is the favor of God in the sense that it is a blessing of some sort conferred upon those of his choosing of God. God, the Bible says he reigns on the what? Just as well as the unjust. And in another place, he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Again, I take no issue with this definition for it is the commonly accepted definition. The common definition is very, very much in line with the definition that most theologians employ. Hear this, in Christian theology, grace is the spontaneous, unmerited gift of the divine favor in the salvation of sinners and the divine influence in individuals for their regeneration and sanctification. This is another common definition in Christian theology. In the King James Version, we see the word grace is mentioned around 170 times. We see it appear for the first time in Genesis chapter 6. And I want to go there for a moment. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, they were pretty, and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man. For that he also is flesh, and yet his days shall be in 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days, Deacon Zimmerman. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw, watch this, that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Isn't that something? That every man did not take a break from thinking evil thoughts. 
and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air. Everything must go, for it repented me that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. My God, amidst this cataclysmic situation that the earth finds itself in, one man in the entire earth finds what? Grace in the eyes of the Lord. In this text, the Bible definition of grace, the introduction of grace to the, to the, uh, to the Bible, it says that grace is defined as finding favor in the eyes of the Lord. And by favor, you find some sort of privilege in the eyes of the Lord. Please allow me to compare and contrast Paul and Noah's situation, situation and place both situations against the backdrop of each definition of grace. The Old Testament definition defines it as finding favor in the eyes of God. And the common definition is that it is the spontaneous, unmerited gift of the divine favor and the salvation of sinners and the divine influence operating in individuals for the regeneration and sanctification. Or in short, the unmerited favor of God. Now, when I compare Noah's situation to finding grace in the eyes of God amidst the world of wickedness and to Paul's situation as he's doing the will of God, my question is, which one of these definitions benefits the Apostle Paul? How does grace rescue Noah but leave Paul where he is and it still managed to be a gift from God? Or how can this happen and we yet believe that Paul has found favor in the eyes of God? Better yet, let's make it more personal. How can such things happen to you? How can thorns be imposed in your flesh that you cannot get rid of and yet still call it favor? Really? How does that work? Somebody say how. How does that work? And then Paul gets his thorn because he see, received revelations from God that he did not ask for. And yet God chooses to give Paul a thorn so he doesn't get the big head about what God gave him, even though Paul didn't ask for it. God, why do I have to suffer? Because I received something that you gave me that I did not ask for. And how do I receive that and disseminate it to others as grace? How do I call that favor? Somebody say, how? My God, how come before the thorn hit the earth, Noah got rescued? Because he found grace in the eyes of God. But how come Paul teaches about this exact same grace and doesn't seem to find the exact same rescuing favor that Noah had? Even when we don't have all of the answers to theology's hard questions, the scripture thrust us to this conclusion. And that conclusion is this, saints of God, that no matter your definition of the term grace or how you feel about it or what confusion you may have about it, the grace of God touches every area of our lives and we need to appropriate it in every measure, applying it to our lives in order to please God. Can somebody say amen? As we read the scriptures, we see that it speaks of the riches of God's grace, the gospel of God's grace, and a dispensation of God's grace, and several other ways that God smothers the life of the individual believer with grace. As I previously mentioned, of the 170 times that grace is mentioned in the scripture, a significant portion of it is found in the Apostle Paul's writing. Paul writes about grace 24 times in Romans. 
eight times in 1 Corinthians, 13 times in 2 Corinthians, seven times in Galatians, 12 times in Ephesians, three times in Philippians, five times in Colossians, two times in 1 Thessalonians, four times in 2 Thessalonians, three times in 1 Timothy, Timothy, and four times in 2 Timothy. It seems like it was his mission to make sure that his listeners were able to receive and understand the grace of God, even when said grace does not deliver him from his dilemma. Paul is saying that don't allow my situation where I found myself to cause your view of the grace of God to be jaded. He knew that it was grace that got you here. For he admonishes us in Ephesians 2 and 8, therefore by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. How many of you know that you didn't save yourself? But it was totally a gift of the grace of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. He told us in Romans 5 and 15 that, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense one may one of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. Not only did this grace save you, but Paul tells you that this grace that came through Jesus, it abounds towards you. I can give you a blessing, but I can give you an abundant blessing and you receive even more. Paul reminds us that grace abounds above all sin even. For when sin did abound, grace did abound the more. He reminded us that whatever you achieve is only by his grace. For he tells us, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which bestowed, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me and with me. His theology is in line with all of the apostles when it comes to grace. The apostle, for example, the apostle John writes in John 1 and 16, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. John is saying that great that Jesus Christ has given us grace so that we may obtain more grace. And so since Jesus has given us abundant grace and saving grace and fullness of grace, and he made us receptacles of grace so that we can have more grace, the question comes in mind then, well, if God has given us all these manifolds of grace, what more could we ask of God? Paul would reply to this question by saying, I'll tell you what more I can ask. I'm asking for this thorn to be gone. I'm asking for God to give me the same grace. I'm asking for God to do for me the same thing that he did for Noah. I want to find favor in the eyes of God that gets the thorn out. However, grace does not give Paul the same thing that it gave Noah. But it gave Paul the same thing that it gave Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Anybody remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying. And he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. Jesus knew that he was getting ready to suffer like no man had ever suffered. He knew that they were going to pluck his beard out. He knew that they were going to whip him with the cat of nine tails. He knew that he would be punched in the face. He knew that he would be nailed in his hands and his feet. He knew that he would be stretched out on the cross on Calvary's hill. He knew that they would gamble for his garments. He knew that they would pierce him in his side. He knew that they would feed him bitter uh, vinegar and gall. And yet he says, Father, I want this cup to pass from me. And God says, no. God gives Paul the same thing that he gave Jesus Christ. He says, just like the son could not avoid this, Paul, you can avoid this either. Real worship of God does not begin when God says yes. Real worship of God begins when he looks you in your eye and says no. Can you stay with God on the other side of your no, Deacon Dobie? When you ask him to heal your child and he says no. 
When you ask him to deliver you on your job and he says no. When you ask him to get rid of the cancer and he says what? No. Has God ever told anybody here no before? My God, in the name of Jesus. And you are going to have to learn how to understand how to and, and operate in the grace of God even when you, the grace does not give you the answer that you want. Can somebody say amen in here? Look at Paul's pedigree. He was circumcised on the eighth day. He was of the stock of Israel, the aristocratic tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he was blameless. The apostle Paul wrote letters to at least seven churches. He founded about 14 churches, and by the hand of God on Paul's life, uh, Elimus, the source is stricken with blindness. By the hand of God on Paul's life, a cripple was healed. By the hand of God on Paul's life, an exorcism of a demon of divin there was an exorcism of a demon of divination. By the hand of God on Paul's life, doors of prison were opened by an earthquake. By the hand of God on Paul's life, Eutychus was raised from the dead. And by the hand of God on Paul's life, a poisonous viper latched a hold of his hand. And Paul shook it up off his hand and everyone was waiting for him to die. But the grace of God kept him alive. But that same grace would not remove the thorn. What do you do when you go to God with your pedigree and say, Lord, look at all I've done for you. Why won't you remove it? And he still says, no. How do you stand? What do you do when your pedigree is not enough to get you out? Let me tell you something. God ain't impressed with your resume. You can't. God's the one that gave you the power to do that, Paul. God's the one that gave you the power to do what you do in the church. And you can't impress God with stuff that he gave you. You know, a parent, you, you, you do all the work and you bring home all the money and then your kid goes out and gets you a card for Father's Day with money that you worked for. You appreciate it, but I mean, come on. You paid for it. You bought yourself a gift. The Apostle Paul, the issue that he's having to Corinthians is the Apostle Paul is being scorched by people in the church at Corinth. They are attacking his good name and he has to do something about it. He has to do something that he does not want to do. He has to defend himself because he's at the point where in his walk with Christ, we say, I founded all of these churches. They saw the power of God on my life. They saw the hand of God on my life. They saw me stay in Ephesus for more than a year and a half preaching and teaching. They heard about me on Mars Hill. They saw me go to the city of Rome. They saw and have heard of what God has done in my life. Why should I have to defend myself to false teachers and false apostles. Can I help you all out here? It don't matter how much good you do for God, there's always going to be somebody that think you ain't worth nothing. There's always going to be somebody that doubts the God that is in your life. And so false apostles have arisen, has arisen in the church, and they're calling Paul a liar. They're saying that he's not eloquent of speech. They're saying that he doesn't even look good. In one particular scripture, they say Paul is a poor communicator, and they call the man ugly. I mean, the saints in the church are teaching false doctrine. Some are coming along and saying that the resurrection has already passed, that the resurrection of the saints of God has already passed and certain people are beginning to leave and abandon Paul and the churches that he planted those saints are coming to him and saying Paul these people are telling us that you're a liar and so Paul has to do what he does not want to do he has to defend himself by appealing to visions and revelations that he has received because there are those in the church at Corinth that are saying well we don't receive revelations too we don't got visions too uh, why can't why aren't we apostles? My God, in the name of Jesus. Many false apostles thought that because they were given a vision and revelation. But 
Paul says, let me tell you about one vision and revelation that I had. He says in 2 Corinthians, I, 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 I know of a man, my God, who, who, who was taken up into the third heaven. He says, it's not even expedient for me to glory in this thing. Because he says, I, I really don't want to do this. It really won't give. How many of you know that, that bragging about visions and revelations don't earn you no status in God's kingdom? My God. I, I know you had a dream about it. I know you had a vision about it. But at the end of the day, that don't earn, that don't, you don't get to paint no planks in the kingdom because of that. Because once again, that's something that God gave you. And so he says here, I'll, let me come to vision and revelation. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or out of the body I cannot tell. But the Lord knows. And this man was taken up into the third heaven. And he, he was caught up into paradise. And he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now what this may mean is one of two things. That Paul some, saw some things that were illegal for him to even mention. Or that what he saw was so great and magnanimous that words cannot describe it. And even if I tried to explain it to you, you still wouldn't get it. How many of you know that no matter how hard you ex try to explain the truth to some people, they just ain't going to get it? No matter how many times you try to witness to them, no how many times you take them out for chicken dinners, you done paid their light bill, put gas in their car, showed them the love of Christ, and they still just don't get it because their eyes have not been opened and their ears have not been unstopped. And so I believe that God shielded Paul from being able to utter these things because when you come out of the third heaven, I want you to walk among average men. And I don't want you to walk with your chest stuck out like you done accomplished something. And so what happens here is uh, the false apostles will say to Paul this. Paul, you said you went to the third heaven. Well, if you did, tell us about it. Yeah. Tell us what you saw. Let all the saints know what it is that you saw. Saints never allow anyone to manipulate you into a position that God did not put you in. You know what God said. You know what God told you. You know he told you to shut up. If God told you to keep the vision to yourself, then keep it to yourself. If God told you to share it, share it. But nobody should have the authority to manipulate you into doing something that God has not told you to do. Ah, uh, somebody shout, I'm going to do what God says. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, and so, and so Paul says that uh, I can't even mention what I saw. I know what you guys are thinking. I know you want me to validate myself by dreams and visions because that's how y'all get down. Y'all so mystical and spiritual and y'all so fancy, 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 fancy with all this stuff y'all getting. In. And you want me to validate myself the way you validate yourself. But we don't validate ourselves in dreams and visions. How do we validate ourselves? In him I live, I move and I have my being. I, I am what I am by the grace of God and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. Shout hallelujah in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Paul does not resort to the place of his visions and revelations to solidify himself. He runs to the place of his suffering. Paul resorts to the place where he needed the most grace. This is the place of his infirmities. Paul does not use his pedigree to solidify himself. Paul does not use dreams and revelations to solidify himself. But he said there is a place where I am weak. There's a place where I don't have all the answers. There's a place where I cry. There's a place where I ache. There's a place where I hurt. Those are, I call those places my infirmities. Paul said, I'm going to glory in the place where God has helped me the most. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Ah, that's what I've got to do here. I'm not going to do it. You ain't going to drag me down in the mud with you. Because what's going to happen is uh, all of us getting, uh, I get sent up to the third heaven. And then we come down there and have a business meeting. Mm-hmm. 
plan. Sister Evans says, we should try my idea. And Deacon Zimmerman says, we should try my idea. And I stand up and say, hey, which one of y'all been in the third heaven? Uh -huh. Which one of y'all has visions? None of y'all? Well, then shut up. We're going to do my idea. But God says, no, no, no. That's not the way we're going to do it. This is how we're going to do it. Uh, can I help you all out here? Nobody is too weak to be used of God. But many of us are too strong to be used of God. And so Paul does not brag about the places where he has received, where he is strong, but he says, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. You want proof of my ministry? Here's the proof of my ministry. Every time I put my foot on the floor, the entire kingdom of darkness is coming after me. Every time I study, the devil tries to rock me to sleep. Every time I preach, I get nervous. Every time I lay hands, I feel sick. Every time I try to do something for the Lord, I'm not sure if I'm going to make it to the next day because there's a principality coming after me. There's a ruler of darkness of this world coming after me. There's spiritual wickedness in high places trying to set up camp on my yard, in my car, and on my job. And all I can do is lift up my hands and declare, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side. The enemy would have swallowed me up. Can I help you all understand something here? What God was teaching Paul is that sufferings bring a grace that visions cannot. Sufferings brings a grace uh -huh, that revelations cannot. Sufferings bring a grace that laying on of hands cannot. Ah, the reason why we're able to stand up here and preach and do what we do is because because God has given us a specific level of grace to do this thing. Somebody get me a paper towel, please. God has given us a specific level of grace to do these things that he has called us to do. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus. Deacon Doby, you can play that bass because you've got the grace to do it. Deacon Evans, you can play that guitar because you've got the grace to do it. And don't let anybody look down on you because God has given you to do the, the grace to do things that they cannot do. My God in the name of Jesus, you don't know what I went through to get this grace. You don't know how I I suffered to be able to walk in this grace that God has got, God bless you deacon, that God has given me. I stayed for this grace. When everybody left the church, when everybody quit, when everybody abandoned their calling, I stayed for this grace. I sweated for this grace. I cried for this grace. And Jesus died for this grace. And I didn't just get the grace to do what I'm doing out of nowhere. Man, this grace was crushed out of me. Uh, there was a thorn in my flesh and well the false apostles will likely want to know Paul well then how did you even get there Paul how did you even get in this position of great grace I mean if you are so walking with the Lord should not God have delivered you by now Paul's reply in verse 7 says this let me tell you what happened this is how I know y'all too arrogant and too exalted because you're able to talk about everything you saw in the third heaven. But what I saw, God gave me a thorn in my flesh, so I wouldn't even talk about it. Verse 7 says, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. I'm going to say that again. A thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Yes, the devil is real, Deacon Doby, but don't forget he's God's devil. Yeah, Satan belongs to the Lord. And isn't this interesting here that God uses Satan to buffet Paul, God uses the devil to keep Paul humble. What in the world is going on here? God gave Satan permission to harass Paul. Now, when we read in verse 10, we find out that the thorn typically, theologians have posited that the thorn 
that Paul's flesh might have been a physical ailment. It could be blindness that he is suffering with. But verse 10, Paul says, it could be infirmities. It could be a reproach. It could be necessities and persecutions and distresses. And it, But the Bible here says in verse 7 that the thorn was a messenger of Satan. From the Greek word angelos, where we get the word angel. It was an angel of preacher of Satan. I believe that the thorn that was in Paul's flesh was false teachers in the churches that he planted that were coming against him and the God that was in him. And so the question that I have to answer, ask myself when I'm studying this text is that is God so concerned with Paul being humble that he's willing to let his church fall apart just so he can keep Paul humble? Interesting question here because he sent him a messenger. This is what am I learning here? We're learning that there's no links that God won't go to to keep you humble. You, you, you're mad and you don't like this. You don't like what you're going through. Can I tell you something? Oftentimes, uh, great revelations do not come without great thorns. Great levels in God don't come without great thorns. And the greater the revelation, the greater the thorn. The greater the elevation, the greater the thorn. Uh, God's going to leave. Tell us what I got to tell these pastors. Uh, don't put the bad member out your church. God got that boy there to keep you praying. Hallelujah. And in the name of Jesus. God is not being cynical here. He does give Paul, he does not give Paul a thorn just for a thorn's sake. I don't believe that God took joy in what he did for Paul. Notice that I didn't say he did this to Paul. He did this what? For Paul. My God. Like a good father, he doesn't like having to chastise us, but he's got to keep us humble. He's got to keep us in right position with him. Because God, if you want to get more grace from God, the Bible says he gives grace to the humble. You've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and in due season he will exalt you. And so he does this for Paul. God is drawing something out of Paul. Don't pray away your thorn. God is drawing something out of you. Don't ask God to take it away because there's no amount of pleading you can do with him that will make him take it away because God is determined to get the glory out of your life my God in the name of Jesus God allowed the thorn in order to show a divine strength that is in Paul no wonder Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency may be of the power of God and not of us. My God, this is not the only way for God to do this, but this is the best way for him to get this out of you. Uh, my thorn may not be your thorn, but God knows which thorn to give you. My God, Deacon Zimmerman, he's got to do this. This is the only way he can keep you humble. He's looked down through the annals of time, and he said, if I'm going to get the most out of Zimmerman, I've got to give him this thorn. He might not like it. It might bother to him it might get on his nerves Paul said I went to God three times Jesus take it away and Jesus said no I went back a second time with tears in my eyes I went back a second time with the medical bills in my hands I went back a second time with the student loan debt in my hand I went back another time with an eviction notice I went back another time and God still said no I've got to get something out of you and I can't move it uh, until I get it out of you. Uh, uh, verse 8 and 9 says, Paul says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. And he said, God, take it out. And he's, Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in thy weakness. Wait a minute now. Paul begins to ponder here. <laughs> He, he, his gears, Paul ain't stupid now. The gears in his head are turning now, Deacon Zimmerman. Sister Taylor, the gears in Paul's head are turning now. And he says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe I've been asking for the wrong thing. 
Maybe I've been glorying. Let me let you all know where I once gloried. But when he gave his pedigree in Philippians chapter 3 about being a Pharisee of Pharisees, keep reading because he says, I counted all but dung that I might obtain the excellency of God in Christ Jesus. Throw your resume away so you can get to know Jesus. Throw your pedigree away so you can get to know Jesus. Your degrees perish with you. Your salary perish with you. It's time for you to make up your mind that God, I'll come low so that you can be lifted high. Uh, he says here, my grace is sufficient for thee. Uh, my strength is made perfect in that weakness. Uh, and so Paul's mind changes here. He says, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. If you're strong, you don't need strength. But if you're weak, you need help. And so Paul says, in my infirmities, in the place of my greatest weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. How long do you have to be walking with God before you're able to open up your mouth and declare, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. How long do you have to be walking with God before you can open up your mouth and declare, the Lord God giveth and the Lord God taketh away. But still, blessed be the name of the Lord. How much grace do you need to open up your mouth and declare for God I'll live and for God I'll die. The thorn has been in my side for a long time. I don't know if the thorn was in Paul's side for one year. I don't know if it was in there for two years or ten. But if it was in there for 20 minutes, it was probably too much and he did not want to deal with it. So he goes to the one person that can deliver us for the Bible have declared many are the afflictions of the righteous but God delivered him out of them all God you delivered him out of them all why won't you get me out of this one I'm telling you right now the only reason you're in the tight spot you're in is because God's got too much invested in you and so he's hiding you for a while he's covering you for a while He's keeping you in your trouble because if it had not been for your trouble, you would not seek God the way you seek him now. And so God declares to the apostle Paul, are you still feeling bad, Paul? Well, Lord, the thorn is still there. Paul, are you still feeling bad? Well, Lord, I ask you again to move it and the thorn is still there. Well, Paul, do you still want the thorn gone? I sure do, Jesus and Jesus talks back to him and says Paul so you don't come bothering me about this again my grace will be sufficient for in your weakness my strength is made perfect Paul stands up and says you know what I'm good now because I'd rather glory in my infirmities I take pleasure in everything that I'm going through now I know I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. I've got the grace to do it. Now I know all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. I've got the grace to do it. Now I know in him I live. Amen and amen. In him I move and I have my pen. I've got the grace to do it. You wonder why I didn't lose my mind. Grace so kept weak. my mind. You wonder why I didn't die. Grace Thank kept you. me Amen. alive. Somebody ought to throw up your hands right now and say sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. His grace shall be sufficient. I'm good now. I can laugh again. I'm good now. The Lord came and encourage my heart take courage on my soul though the night be dark it won't be long God's going to bring you more grace more grace is coming more grace is coming more grace is coming more grace is coming, grace is coming. 
There's grace for that. What if God doesn't bring you out? What a transactional relationship you have with God. If the only way you can serve him is if, if you get your way. You may not like it, but God's got to keep you humble. You pray for more faith. You pray for God to give you more. You pray for him to show you things you haven't seen before. And when he does it, deal with it. He's going to preserve what he's given unto you in order to preserve you. God has not given you anything to make you arrogant. God has not blessed you with, do not use visions and revelations as a way to validate your ministry. Because the devil has sent you a vision. But Paul says the proof of my ministry is not in what I've been given, but in what I have gone through. You don't judge your faith in God by how many storms you've dodged. You judge your faith in God by how many storms you've gone through. Which enables you to stand up and say, his grace was sufficient for me. In every stage, his grace was. I don't know how I made it out. I don't know how. I don't know how. I was crying. I wanted to die. I felt like I was losing my mind. But a still, small voice came in a whisper, patted me on the shoulder and said, keep going, son. There's grace. There's a little more grace coming. There's a little more grace. And it's sufficient grace. It is grace that satisfies. It is grace that holds. Juxtaposing now the definition of grace. Because the word charis for grace that is used with Paul as 2 Corinthians, is talking about a very specific brand of grace. It is grace that enables the believer to do the work of God. Strength and enabling. You ever see someone, you look like they should fall out any minute now, but they're just running for the church and taking care of this. They're at every, because God's given them the grace to do that. How much grace do you need? How much? How much grace do you need? Have you got enough? Have you got enough? Are you maximizing the grace that God has given you? You had a goal in mind that God gave you 20 years ago. You had the grace to do it then. Why you ain't done it yet? Hmm? What you waiting on? You waiting for somebody to motivate you? Grace ought to motivate you. Amen? The great, what are you waiting on? Somebody to just give you a kick in the britches? Somebody say, get up and go. Do what God told you to do. You know what he told you to do? Get that Nike faith and just do it. There is sufficient grace. This ministered to me because there are some things that I have up before the Lord. And I'm beginning to wonder, does he have it there for a reason? Is it keeping me humble? God sent a messenger of who? Satan, the buffet Paul, the adversary, that old serpent, the great dragon, the one that caused mankind to fall into sin, God sent a messenger of him to harass Paul. And it was affecting his local assembly. Or maybe it was just affecting his body. What lengths are, is God willing to go to to keep you humble? 
so that the excellency may be of the power of God and not of us. When people see you bent over and hurt and sick and you don't have the house that you want and you're still able to go out here and lay hands and do whatever God has called you to do and you still have a spirit of contentment, they want to know, how are they able to do that? It's the grace of God. People need to see what you aren't so they can know who God is. You aren't strong, but God is. You aren't mighty, but God is. You aren't omnipotent, but what? God is. And they that come to him must believe that he what? Is. This is what God said to me this week. Did y'all get anything out of this word this morning? Did y'all get anything out of this this morning? This is important. A lot of times we want relief, but what we really need is grace. A lot of times we want an escape, but what we really need is what? Grace. It's rest in Jesus. Let the devil know that when he comes to you, I know why you're here. You're sent here to buffet me. Thank you. Because when you're done, I'm going to be too strong for you to handle. Ty Tribby had a line in one of his songs that said, if you only knew what I was going to be after this storm, you wouldn't even bother me. Now watch this. Paul was in the third heaven and couldn't talk about it, right? He, the third, the first heaven is what we see, where birds fly and whatnot. The second heaven is where the uh, stars are. The third heaven is what is above, beyond that. That's where God is. That's where the throne is, right? You don't see Paul talking about those things, though. But then the apostle John comes along and writes about the third heaven vividly. Why? Because that grace wasn't given to Paul. There's a specific level of grace to do something in God's kingdom for every one of us. And I don't have to step on your lane to do what God called me to do. You don't have to step in my lane to do what God called you to do. Vice versa. Paul says there is a third heaven, but I can't tell you what's up there. Why? God preserved that for the grace he gave John. John writes 1 John, 2 John, and Revelation. Does that make sense? And then look where John finds himself stranded on the Isle of Patmos. Thorn. Peter gets the revelation. Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father was in heaven and revealed it unto you. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And then later on, guess where Peter finds himself after the uh, day of Pentecost? In jail. Thorn. Thorn. Great revelations bring about great thorns. Do you want it? Don't be scared. Like Smokey said on, was that, was that, was that, who was that, who was that? No, that was uh, uh, on uh, Friday, not Friday, life. Dude, and they said, you were scared, won't you? Wasn't you? Don't be scared. Don't be scared. There's grace for you to do it. I'm not afraid to do anything God called me to do. Because if God be for me, who can be against me? Those who are listening, there is grace available for you. You must be born again. I'm not going to promise you that the thorn's going to come out. But I promise you that there will be grace for you to deal with it. The day you hear the word of God, harden not your heart. Repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Be born again of the water and of the spirit. And there's and the Bible says in another place in James, but he giveth more grace. There's more grace available to you. Amen. Put your hands together for Jesus. Amen and amen. We hope that you have received something valuable from this message. We want to thank you for your time and support. God loves you and so do we. Have a fantastic and blessed week. Thank you. Amen.